Hi there, everybody. Are you okay? I feel like I'm on Britain's Got Talent. I've just been standing with Anton Deck side of stage, otherwise known as Lee and Jackie. But it's really great for Amanda and I to be uh, here with you today. Just delighted to have the opportunity to be in church. It's Pentecost Sunday. You've got to do better than that. We're in church, church. We're in church, church. On Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Lee gave us a little bit of a, a description earlier of Pentecost Sunday. For us as followers of Jesus who believe in the life and the power of the Spirit, today is a really important day for us to acknowledge and celebrate and engage with the Spirit of God within us and surrounding all that we know and see. And Pentecost was a festival that took place some 50 days, that's where we get the little bit, that pent at the beginning, some 50 days after Passover in the Jewish calendar. It was seen by the Jews to be the harvest time, one of the two harvest times in the year. But it also commemorated a moment in the Jewish history when God had given Moses the law on Mount Sinai. And it was a very significant celebration. And yet for us in the Christian church, it sits within a far more important calendar in so many ways. And that's the calendar of the promises of Jesus as he goes to the cross and is raised to life again after three days, but gives this promise of the Spirit that would come, one who was of the same kind as he. In other words, God, the Holy Spirit. And seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus, God pours his Spirit out on the early church. And I'm going to read those verses. Lee read them earlier, but I think they're, they're worth repeating in the setting of the scene for us that the Bible tells in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, say that with me church, all of them, because you can speak even though you can't sing. Let's try it again. All of them. Why don't you say this with me? All of us. All of us were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The promise of the Spirit is the personal promise of Jesus. He'd already said, and Luke records it, the same Luke who wrote the book of Acts, in Luke 24, where Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here until in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You see, when Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, we read this in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16, he teaches us that the wonder of the Spirit is that he's going to come and live within every one of us who surrenders our life to Christ. He's going to be within us. Do you know there's a moment when Jesus said to the disciples, this he said, 
it's good for you that I go away. You wouldn't be surprised, would you, if the disciples said, good for us? How on earth could it be good for us, Jesus, if you go away? Jesus said, because unless I go away, he, the Spirit, can't come. And here's an important point. I want you to get this today, folks. When Jesus came as Emmanuel, God in flesh, he was in one place at one time. But when the Spirit comes, he is the omniscient, omnipresent God equally who comes and fills everything and fills all of us all of the time, all of the places we are. And that's the wonder of the Spirit. And then Jesus makes this promise that the Spirit would come upon us. And I want to say to you today, here in Northampton, on this 23rd day of May in 2021, the Spirit is here. He is with us. He's with you. You may feel distant from God, but you are never distant from the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You may feel your life at the moment is far from where you want it to be, but God is closer than the breath in your lungs to you today. But how does the day of Pentecost, Lee said I think it was 1,800 and something days ago, just under 2,000 years ago, how does the day of Pentecost affect you and I today. I think it's really important. I can summarize what I want to say to you in this phrase. That was then, this is now. Will you say that with me today? Because I want to get you to speak in church, to make some noise in church. Why don't you say that with me? That was then, this is now. The day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago is great to talk about it. I grew up singing in our in, in Elim church, let the fire fall, let the fire fall, let the fire from heaven fall. We sung about the day of Pentecost, but folks, that was then. God poured out his spirit on that new born church who knew so little but had so much. But that was then. They were impacted by a dynamic encounter with God the Holy Spirit. But that was then. The church exploded in the miraculous and in mission, but that was then. But this, today, is now. And there's a vital lesson I think God wants you to learn today as he wants me to learn afresh. That that was then, but he's here now. And he's here now. In other words, you cannot experience an encounter with the Spirit if you're lingering in something that has been in your life. In a moment that was, in something that has gone, in a day that has passed, we must be open to God the Spirit today, here, this moment. Have you ever thought about time that time is a constantly moving entity. That five minutes ago is past. That ten minutes ago when I stood down there is past. That when I just began that sentence, it's past. It's gone. The reality is that now 
is a moment that's constantly moving. I was here a few moments ago. I'm standing talking to you in the now, but now that was gone. And the problem is the Christian church has been paralyzed in its history by nostalgia. I am third generation Pentecostal. I can trace my spiritual roots back to a woman who God put his hand on her life in the valleys of Wales, stirred something in her. She was a contemporary of the founder of our early movement, George Jeffries, stirred her to go across the valley, which was like traveling from Birmingham to Northampton for us today, to reach her family for Jesus. But that was then. I'm here now with a generation that my wife and I have been blessing God to birth with children and now grandchildren. And the problem is when we live in what has been, we fail to experience what is. And when John is exiled on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation, there must have been moments when John sat there thinking, oh, just to have Jesus here with me again. And Jesus comes and he reveals himself and he says this, I am the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, the God who was, who is, and who is to come. And I have watched over 32 years of Christian ministry and all my life in a Pentecostal church how people waste energy and unity on wanting what has been. Let me give you a life lesson, friends, as sensitively as I can. It ain't coming back. And we should not want it back. Because God wants to touch the nation of the United Kingdom today, on this Pentecost Sunday. Whether we're behind masks and spread out, the church is alive in this nation. And we need what God has for us today. Oh, I still prefer some of the songs I used to sing. I love the new songs, but I had my era when I was a worship leader when you could sing them and I could play them in G on my guitar without a capo. The moment I needed a capo, I resigned. Too much for me. I'm long enough in the tooth and enough gray hairs I can speak to this issue. And I plead with you now, in Jesus' name, do not cling to what is slipping through your hands. God has brought us to this moment in history. And we need the Spirit today. The most up-to-date person in the universe is the God who controls it. He did not park in our yesterdays. He's constantly moving across the nations of the world. And as this pandemic has hit our world, the tragedy of over 7 million people have lost their lives. God is still moving. Human history cannot control him. Governments and pandemics cannot hold him back and hold him down. He's alive today. The Spirit of God moving across the nations of the world. There's an interesting little phrase in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen, who is preaching just before he's about to be martyred, 
He says this, how his, an- the ancest- his ancestors refused to obey God. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. Do you know, over the years of being a Christian leader, I have been shocked to think that some people would prefer the inadequacy of what was because they're not comfortable in stretching out for what can be. What nostalgia does, it tells us everything was better than it used to be. Yeah, I was born in the 60s. I spent most of my childhood growing up in the 70s. I was a teenager of the 80s, but I wouldn't want to go back, thank you very much. I mean, if I could pull traveling time and pull something out of my pocket that I could watch TV on and message somebody around the world and talk face to face with my granddaughter in Denmark and listen to music on, they'd have thought I'd come from the the scene of Star Trek or something. But those days were not as grand and glorious. They had their challenges. They had their moments, just like we do today. The only way we can effectively serve the kingdom of God is to live for today. That was then. This is now. A favorite preacher of mine from America, Jensen Franklin, once said, there's nothing more miserable than someone who has known the touch of God on their life and has lost it. And I tell you, I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that man who someone says, oh, I knew a time when Stuart was alive in the spirit more than I sense today. With everything within me, I want to be a man who says that today God can do more than he's ever done in my life through the spirit within. And I confess to you readily, I not only want, but I need a fresh encounter with God the spirit on this Pentecost Sunday. It's been a joy just to be in the presence of God here this morning with you. I know I can experience that on my own, but let's be honest, folks. This past 16 months has been a challenge for us. I've walked with the Lord. Tomorrow will be the anniversary of when I gave my life to Jesus on the 24th of May, 1975. I'm too old, I can't even figure out the maths, how many years that is now. All I was, it's about 45 years ago, because I know I was nine years old. And all that time, God's done amazing things for me. And I can remember amazing moments where I've encountered him. I can remember some moments that were life-changing, and I gladly reflect on them on occasions. But if I ever believe that God cannot do something fresh and more in my life than he can today, I've missed who he is. He's the never-changing one, not the ever-changing one. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can't change perfect. He's faithful, and we've heard it this morning. He's good, and he has something fresh for you today. In the message version of Ephesians 5, we read, Don't drink too much wine. It's pretty good advice. That cheapens your life. I think that's a good description. Drink the Spirit of God. Eugene Peterson stretches our thinking, as he always does, doesn't he? Huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse 
for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. The pandemic may have silenced our singing in church, but it must never silence our song. It must never silence the spirit within. And I've had to face that challenge. I was only saying to Jason earlier, there have been moments where I've so missed having spent all my life knowing what it is to be among God's people. And those days when I've gone to church, even as the pastor, not really feeling up for it, but standing in that environment with other people worshipping and praising and something in my spirit would come alive. And I've missed that. And I've had to make some choices to go into my study in the morning before I turn the computer on for endless Zoom meetings. And to put YouTube on and to put something on that's going to stir me. I've had to make those choices and we all have to make those choices. We will not try to live on something we drunk yesterday. We want fresh water for today. There's a wonderful passage of scripture in John chapter 7. If you allow me just to build the narrative around it, it will make it a little bit more meaningful, I'm sure. It's set in the temple in Jerusalem of what the Jews would call the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the four great festivals in the Jewish calendar. And there's a particular moment right at the end of the ceremony where the priest would take a cup of water and he was about to to offer a drink offering to God and he would pour this cup of water out but the story goes right back to the time of King David the greatest king that the Jews had before the king of kings came and King David was being pursued by Saul the king and David is hiding with his mighty men in a cave away from Saul and he's just dry and he's longing and he's He's down and he's thirsty and he's wanting this, this whole thing to end. And he, he just says, like, you know, we say things like, oh, what I wouldn't give for a McFlurry. You know, when you say those kind of things. And he says, oh, what I wouldn't give for a drink of water from that pool in Bethlehem. And two of his mighty men heard him and they were so committed to David that they snuck out and they got beyond the lines of Saul's army and they got to Bethlehem and they come back with this cup of water for him and David is overwhelmed. It's like, oh my goodness, how would you do that for me? I can't drink it. I'm going to have to pour it out as a drink offering to God. And the priest is standing there 800 years later in the temple about to pour it out and about to quote the Old Testament where it says, with joy will I draw water from the wells of salvation. There's this religious ceremony going on. And a voice from the back shouts, if anyone is thirsty, can you hear me at the back? If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus breaks into the religious ritual with an offering for them of living water. And God wants to break into our routines and our customs. I'm not talking about church, I'm talking about me and you. The things that are routine about our life. The things that we once did and have become patterns. The, the then moments that are now patterns. And he says, what about now? 
I want to break in now, and I need that. I don't know about you. I need that. And I wonder whether today you're dehydrated and thirsty for more of God. Let me take just a few more moments to suggest to you how you can know that spirit who is here and his fullness in your heart, hearts and lives. Three very simple bits of advice. Number one, it will require thirst. Are you thirsty for God today? Do you think of the time when the psalmist says in Psalm 61, Oh God, you're my God, I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Come on, folks, let's ask ourselves that real question. Am I really thirsty? Not just saying it because it seems the right thing to say. Am I really thirsty for him? You're going to have to take that one home with you, friends. I can't answer it for you. I can only answer it for myself. I can't answer it for my wife, my friends, Jason and Linda. I can't answer it for anybody in this room. You have to answer that in your home, in this venue, yourself. Are you really thirsty for God? Because what I discover is thirsty people find water that they will never thirst again from. In Psalm 42, the psalmist says in the New Living Translation, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Can you remember better times that you used to have with God than you're having now? Isn't that a question? Psalmist says, I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. That could be us saying, well, remember what it was in January 2020. Crammed into the building, having a cup of coffee after. But is that going to stop us being thirsty today? It's time to press into God for more of him as we walk out of a lockdown, God willing, we need to press into God. There's so much to catch up on in this nation. We've got a nation that's hurting. We've got people that are grieving. Folks who've lost loved ones. Folks who've lost their businesses, lost their jobs, lost their livelihood. They need the church of Jesus to be alive as we come out of lockdown. And how's it going to be alive when you and I are so thirsty for God? Because if we don't thirst after him, how on earth do we expect those who haven't yet found him to? It won't just take thirst, though. It's going to take surrender. Are you willing for God the Spirit to transform you from the inside out? We're good as church at being informed. We like information. Oh, that Bible study, it was so deep. I like all the information, and I like the knowledge, and I like to understand, but God is far more concerned with our transformation than our information. And I'm just conscious when I was preparing and wrapping this up the last couple of days of this week and I was just aware how very often for many of us one of the great hindrances to going after more of the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday is our sense of failure. And I know what that feels like too. Surely God doesn't want to come and minister to my life, you know. Surely if you knew what I'd done, if you knew 
how I've lived, if you knew the challenges I'm facing, I've failed God. Well, all I can say, there's not a person in this building who's breathing that hasn't failed God at some point. Because that's what it is, the battle of our humanity. And I'm reminded of King David who failed God so much in his life and he, was a, he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then he connived to have her husband sent to the front line to be murdered so he could have that woman. And Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him a story about somebody who had lots of sheep who stole another man's sheep. And David says, where's the man? I'll sort him out. And Nathan says, you're the man. David is overwhelmed by his faithlessness. So he prays a prayer in Psalm 51, against you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. So you're right when you judge me, Father. You're right when you do that. But he says these words, created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and then grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is a moment for a prayer like that. Where you can say, Father, I feel I've failed you. I am thirsty. I feel unworthy. But I'm going to say today, would you, would you come and create in me a pure heart, O oh God? The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Verse 7 of the same chapter says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. He's a forgiving and a gracious and a merciful and a good God. And if you've failed, it does not stop you asking for the Spirit. Because your request for the Spirit is not based on your perfection, but on your thirst. And the last thing I want to suggest to you is it's going to require faith. Do you believe God wants to do so much more in your life? Many of the people who have known me for many years and in the church that I led for many years until I was privileged to take on this role in Elim know that my favourite prayer in all of Scripture is Ephesians 3. Where the Apostle Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God and to know that love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to all the fullness of the measure of God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. How does he do immeasurably more according to his power that is at work within us? And why does he do it? To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus, now and throughout all generations to come, and in the message we read, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. That was then. This is now. I'm sure that you've had many then moments 
sure you can reflect on wonderful times where God's been so good and so real in your life. I'm calling you to a now moment. Not just in a moment when the band come back and just lead us in reflecting on the magnitude and the beauty of Jesus. That's going to be a wonderful moment. But this is, doesn't mean anything unless you don't carry it from here into your ever-present now. Because tomorrow morning, we're not all coming back here. That will be now for us. Tomorrow morning when I'm facing up to the day and I may have some challenges and may have to do some things that are going to require a bit of effort for me or whatever is part of my day, I'm going to need to say, Holy Spirit, you're with me. Come, fill my life afresh with your presence and your life. Come and overflow from me into a world that needs you. Just for a moment before the worship team come and lead us, why don't you close your eyes where you are If you don't know Jesus Christ today, if you've never acknowledged your need of God to come and bring new life to you, whether you're watching online or you're in this great venue, I want you to know that God is just a prayer away from you. All it takes is you to acknowledge your need of Him and ask Him to forgive you for the wrong that has been part of your journey like it has for all of us because the Bible says everybody sinned and falls short of God's standard tells us that the wages of how we've lived of sin in our life is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ you can receive that gift today in your home in this venue all you have to do is say Father forgive me Forgive me for all the wrong. I take responsibility, but I ask you to take the weight of my sin. And I turn to you, and I ask you to become the Lord of my life. And I give myself to live for you and to love you all my days. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in Jesus Christ, you will receive eternal life. You can do that now, where you're seated at home and in this venue. Why don't you do it? Take that step of faith towards God, that surrender. But maybe for many of us who know the Lord, we'd look into our lives and we'd say, Stuart, it's been a particularly dehydrating period, hasn't it? This that we've been living through, and you're right, it is. It has been for me. I've found many days I've felt spiritually dehydrated because the refreshing of being around friends and Amanda and I being in church together and worshipping as has not always been there. We've had to find the wells of our, our lives and look into God. Well, today I want, believe God wants to dig a new well in your life. And it says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Spirit is with us. He's here. So just for a moment, why don't you hold out your hands as a sign of your surrender, just like this in front of you. That's all I'm asking you to do. You're not going to lift them high. You can rest them on your knees. It won't be wearisome. But you're using your hands to say, this is my moment to say, I surrender to you, Lord. I'm thirsty. Come and fill my life. Donna and the team are going to lead us. And there's nothing more wonderful than singing about Jesus. What a beautiful name he is. And as you sing these words in your home, and as you sit here, and maybe we can't sing, but we can open our hearts to his presence. And we can say, God, come and fill me in this moment.
You might want to stand and lift your hands out like this, say, I surrender to you. And I'm praying now that God, the Holy Spirit, will just come and fill your lives with his presence afresh. In Jesus' name.